Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. Welcome to this episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today we have Santavis Brown. Santavis is a leadership and education strategist. How are you today, Santavis? I'm well, Mark. Thank you for having me. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm excited to to discuss with you. Leadership is one of those um, wheelhouse subjects that I, I absolutely love. You know, and very familiar with the work of John Maxwell and other people like that, that I've really gleaned myself. So really fascinated to be able to have a a discussion with you around leadership and education. And also want to touch a little bit on your faith as well, since I'm a a man of faith, too. So I think we can have some interesting conversation uh, here today. I would love to know, Santavis, what is your personal leadership style? Uh, one of, of collaboration and empowerment. So I, I never I never lead people with the mindset that they're my subordinates, we're colleagues, because all of our work fits into the greater picture of the organizational mission and purpose and vision. So I lead by lead, basically leading a team of my colleagues and friends. And by that, I mean, looking at it from the perspective of we're all engaged together, as the chief leader, I always have the premise there is absolutely there should be nothing in that organizational structure, or our team structure that I can't do. So I take a, I take interest in each person on my team, learning what they do professionally, take an interest in them personally, understanding how we um, how we play into each other's sphere of work. And, you know, empowering, meaning being there when they need me as a supporting supporting cast member, not as a micromanager, because I don't believe in that at all, but being on the sideline, rooting for them, cheering them on, and ensuring that we all get to the finish line together. Yeah, collaboration is something that I I feel is really important uh, in today's world, especially in the realm of business. You know, I think it's important that we know what we're put on earth to do, but also know that we can go a lot further and deeper when we're connected to others. What would be a, a great way for each of us to kind of collaborate with others more effectively? Is there certain things that you feel that we should look out for when it comes to joining forces with somebody else? Yeah, I, I've always believed that when you work with uh, others and you are, you collaborate and engage with others, it's important to get to know the individual as a person. Too many times our engagement is scripted or forced and we only want to focus on the professional aspect. But, you know, get to know that person for an individual. What are they like? What are, they, what are their hobbies? What are their dislikes? Do they have any kids? I mean, nurture and foster that personal connection because in doing so, it will, it will add for a more meaningful person, uh, professional engagement. Mm, absolutely. Now, I know that leadership always starts with me. And in your case, leadership will start with you. What's right. your what's your biggest personal leadership struggle in Santavis? I would say uh, wanting to tackle the world. 
and realizing that I have limitations. And, you know, as coy as that may sound, it, it's a real struggle because I think all of us at some point or another, at various points in our lives, we get to the point where we, we want to tackle everything and change everything. And then we realize that we are all suffering from the human condition and we're mortal and we can't do it all. So it's best to do a few things well and impactful enough that they will be successful. So I think that's my biggest leadership struggle, trying to tackle on every project, wanting to tackle on every project and realizing that I can't. And what, what about, you know, for, for those that are in a similar situation to you, maybe have a, diff, a, a thousand different pulls. They could go left, they could go right, up, down. How, how do you uh, and how would you encourage Sean to be able to decide actually where to plant themselves and where to serve if there is so many options to give? What aligns with their VIPs? VIPs, values, interests, personality, and skill set. You know, I, I, I never undertake something unless it is direct alignment with those things for me, because it's when those moments of tiredness and frustration and heaviness come, it, you, you'll, you'll press through it because it aligns with your VIPs. Mm. It speaks to your values. It is nurtured by your interests. It's enhanced by your personality and it sharpens your skills. Excellent. So I, I love the fact that you have filters uh, I, I have three filters myself, Santavis, when it comes to decision-making, which is, uh, am I good at this? Does this excite me? And will this take me to where I want to go? So very, very similar in terms of like the value system and measuring that against the choices we make. So that's really, that's really strong uh, advice there. So thank you for, for that one. One of my personal interests is in the leadership that we are all under when it comes to my our own governments. Why do you believe on a global scale, people in places of power, specifically in government, are not leading effectively? How, how have we ended up with people that lead our country actually not being great examples of leadership? Why do you think that is? Well, I've always believed everyone has the potential to be a good leader in the right context. What I've also learned over the years is just because we want a certain position doesn't mean it's right for us. And I think a lot of times what we see when leaders don't work out in various arenas, it's not necessarily that they're a bad leader, but it might be that they're in the wrong context. You know, anyone leading in a governmental uh, position at any level should be for, for all intents and purposes, a servant of the people. And if you are a person that's in a governmental position and you're a certain and you don't have a servant's heart or a servant leadership mindset, you might be in the wrong uh, position. It's like, for example, a teacher, you know, I, I spent some time as a principal and it used to horrify me to hear teachers say they didn't like kids. So why are you teaching? Well, obviously, you know why for the summers, the, the summers are often the other person they call along with teaching, but uh, they're not effective. Because, it, again, it doesn't align with their values, their interests, their personality, or their skill set. Mm. That's, that's a really interesting point of view, um, saying that, you know, everybody has the ability to lead, but maybe the environment or the actual position isn't conducive to their particular like, leadership style. So how do we get more people that it 
is the right environment for them to lead. And so we can impact this world in a, in a greater way. Well, it will cause all of us as individuals to be honest with our leadership strengths and opportunities, not weaknesses, but opportunities. Mm. And, and causing us to take a real hard introspective look to see where it is we would be successful. Like for example, I'll, I'll tell you, if you were to put me in a leadership context of where someplace where I had to be a micromanager, I would fail miserably because that's just not me. That's not my style. And I think it's important that we, we have to get to the point of understanding where when we identify our leadership style and identify our leadership persona, we have to assume it unapologetically. Mm. Because another thing that I think is a problem in leadership and in the, in, in the world as, as a whole, we are, we're too busy trying to to make ourselves fit into places where we probably shouldn't fit in in the first place. And we really don't have a strong sense of who we are. One of my favorite theologians that I read, Dr. Howard Thurman, he said, if you don't get a sense of who you are, then you will spend all of your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. Mm -hmm. And I think where we're seeing the example that we can see with leaders who are not necessarily effective in various contexts is, is their strings are being pulled by their, the context that they're in. And unfortunately, because they're not in the right context, there's not, there's not a, a mutual engagement or a, pull, a pulling on both sides. All we're seeing is the context pulling their strings and it's not effective. That was, that was really good. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm massively into like self-leadership and personal development and, you know, self-growth. But then I also think you're touching on something that's equally as important, which is the environment, which is the culture in which you you are established. And, and if you don't know who you are and what your strengths are, and sometimes we can almost feel like we're failing and yet it isn't that the lack is within us. It's just the fact that the environment isn't conducive to our own skill set. So I, I really think that, that was uh, really important that you shared that. Now, as a man of faith, why do you believe the leadership in church is not where it needs to be? I, I would say the same situation as far as people not leading in the right context. Like I, I, I pastor a church and I pastored a few. So I'm able to look at the various pastorates I've had and look at the successes and look at the opportunities that were not fulfilled. But I think the overarching thing is you have to be in the right situation. And, and, and that's in any facet of leadership. You must be in the right, the right situation for who you are. And if you are, you're gonna have you're gonna have bumps in the road. Now, every every leader and everybody's gonna have uh, bumps in the road. I think uh, one of my, my favorite, another one of my favorite authors. You'll, you'll smile when I say this. I call him the prophet, but everybody else calls him Dr. Seuss. Not, not to, the prophet to be confused with Khalil Gibran, but the prophet Dr. Seuss said, "I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang ups and hang ups are gonna happen to you." You know, and so we're all gonna have that in any sphere of leadership. Uh, or in life, but knowing who you are and knowing what your context is will make you successful. And 
knowing if the context is not going to work. You just got to be unapologetically honest about that and say, this isn't going to work. I'll give you a, a minute story. So I had a friend who um, asked me to come and do a leadership workshop for her. And I did it with her staff and we had a very good time and it was really good. And um, after it was over, she was like, oh my God, that was amazing. Will you come and, you know, work, work with me to, to help change the culture? And I'm like, okay, I'm sure. Mark, within my first day there, before lunchtime, I was already turning in my resignation because it wasn't the right fit. And at the end of the day, I was going to waste her time and waste my time. And, you know, some critics would say, yeah, but it was good money. You would have made it. But all that's all I would have done was make money. There would have been no fulfillment, no impactful work, and, and, and there would have been no lasting legacy. And that's what I want to do. I may never, I always tell people this, I may never get my name on a building but I want my name to be on somebody's heart. Mm. Like it, like that. Now, one of the articles you wrote for Brains Magazine was titled Leading with a Limp. Uh, that, that took my uh, attention when you wrote that. Uh, I would love for you to kind of share a little bit about the context of, of what that is. So all of us have a limp. We are, a limp represents something that we may not be proud of, something that we're struggling with, something that we're dealing with, an issue, and all of us have one. And the context of the article was basically learning how to lead with the limp. Because most times we see those as opportunities to hold us back, to hinder us, or to keep us stagnated. But if you are secure in yourself, as an individual and as a leader, you can use your limp to help people. And think about it when you go into a, a workplace or, or um, an, an organizational environment and you're charged with leading a team of people, everybody has a limp in that room, just like you. And they're all looking to see how they're going to be able to manage it and how they're going to be able to work through it. And what an impactful and powerful opportunity it would be for the leader to show the people that you can work through your limp. And your limp now that, that was a challenge becomes powerful. And then you have long before you know it, you have a room full of broken people doing whole work. Mm. And that was the context of it. Yeah, I heard the other day, you know, we always hear the phrase, you know, hurting people hurt people. But then I heard somebody say, uh, healed people heal people. Yeah, it really, really struck a chord with me that one. Like, I, I like the the different energy that that brings and, and leading with a limp. It's interesting. I guess for me, it reminds me of the fawn in the flesh. It's also about yeah. the fact that you know, it's also about the fact that, you know, as leaders, we're still human beings and, and actually what the world needs now more than ever is vulnerability and empathy. And the only way that we're going to go deeper and impact the world is if actually we do show who we are fully and not just our glorified bits. Right. Right. And, and it's like, it's like in the church context, you know, when you took it to the thorn in the flesh, that was, that was a, a, a remnant in the mind. So I wrote it 
And, and it's like going to church and you hear your pastor or your priest talk about uh, dealing with trouble and how to, how to deal with adversity. You don't want to hear what they have to say if they've never been through anything. Exactly. How are you going to tell me how to go through trouble and you've never been through trouble? It's like single people trying to get married people advice. Mm-hmm. It's not your context. So the leading with the limp for me was, was hope, I was hoping, hopeful it would be a motivational piece for leaders everywhere to be able to say, yes, I got a limp. Yeah. But I'm going to lead with it and I'm going to show you how to use yours and you can use yours and lead as well. And at the end, you have broken people doing whole work. Exactly. I, it was. It was a. It's a great. It's a great title that really captured me because I can really resonate with that. Because I, I'm really a massive advocate for for people staying in their lane and doing what they're good at, but also showing that humanness. Show me your belly, you know, because I know as well as anybody that what goes on behind closed doors, you know, people don't talk about, and yet, you know there's nothing that's not common to man that we all struggle with. We all have a challenge with, and some of us just are able to mask it better than others, but the challenge is still there. So I, re- I really love that. And I think that that sort of leadership's the one that, you know, I really vibe with, you know, honesty, transparency, integrity, beautiful. Love that. Now I know that you're an educator, uh, Santavis, and uh, I'd love to know how do you educate people and, and what do you believe is the best way uh, we can educate others, especially those that are listening, that are teachers, facilitators, and coaches. Uh, what's the best way? Well, I, I see that uh, every time I go into a classroom uh, in light of COVID, whether it be in person or virtual, um, I see it as an opportunity not only to impart knowledge, but to gain knowledge. I never, I never approach it like I'm the subject matter expert and I know everything. Because from past experiences, you can have aha moments and it'll transform your life forever. For example, I have had an iPhone since they probably came out. I'm shameful to admit this, but I'm going to admit it for transparency purposes. (laughs) I did not know that on your iPhone, until a couple of years ago, that on your iPhone, when you write to someone and it's blue, that means they have an iPhone too and it's iMessage. I didn't know that. So one day I was in class and I brought that point up and everybody laughed and was like, are you serious? And so one student showed me, he says, no, professor, you know what that means? And he showed it to me and, and, and I learned something. And so in true, fa- in true teacher fashion, of course, once I learned that I started sharing with everybody else and then to my amazement, everybody knew that but me. I think I was the only person in the world <laughs> who didn't know that. But, you know, it, 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 was, it was something I learned. And so I, I, life, if you're going to be an effective educator, you have to be an effective learner. Mm. An effective educator is a continuous learner. Mm. And so for me, I'm always trying to learn something, even, even if it's something that I have no interest in, learn it because it's a, a well-rounded person will know a little bit about everything. Mm. And so to, to my fellow educators who, are, who might be listening, you know, always seek to learn something with every opportunity where you're imparting knowledge and that will make you an effective educator. And it will also 
allow you to make a meaningful impact with the, with your students and the people that you're coming in contact with. Because again, it is going in in a moment of transparency saying, I don't know everything, but I'm going to share with you what you know, what I know, and you share with me what you know. Mm. And now together we both learn something. Mm. And that goes for any level, kindergarten, all the way up to, to, to doctoral studies. Because like, you know, a lot of times I was looking at something on social media yesterday where a teacher was the students were teaching the teacher how to dance at, at, uh, at during recess. And, you know, there were so many comments going on. And unfortunately, some people could just be so some people can be so negative because they're like, oh, the t- they shouldn't be doing this or whatever. The teacher should have more better control. So I'm like, but the teacher's learning. And it's going to be easier to go back. I, I guarantee you, I wish I knew who the teacher was, but I, I would seek them out to verify this. But I guarantee you when they went back in the classroom after recess, the teacher had no problem capitalizing their, their attention for the rest of the day. Why? Because the teacher showed they could learn too. Mm. And that's powerful. It is. It's, it's a very refreshing way, again, of, of look, looking at something that, in order to educate, it comes from a place of learning, being a, a lover of learning and and being poured into in order so that then you can express out of out of that. You know, and you know, I love to write myself and always find that when I'm writing a book in particular, my reading increases significantly so that you can you can get the wealth of uh, the vocabulary. Uh, and the depth and the context and it and it stirs up that ability to write so I love the fact that you've talked about you know actually if we want to educate people we've got to be dedicated to to learning and growing that's uh, that's super helpful why do you think certain people follow um certain people what are what are the traits that you see that you know that you need to have in order to you know encourage people to follow I think I think it was TD Jakes who talked a little bit about you know you know you, people are tired of saying you know I'm like hearing I'm a leader if you're a leader people will follow you you know and rather than saying you know you know I'm a healer you know people want to see the gift of healing in motion what what are the sort of attributes and characteristics that you find in a leader that encourage people to follow them people understand that the leader cares about them as a person and has their best interest at heart. And the leader pushes them to become leaders. I've always believed that an effective leader is one who doesn't have to go around talking about, I'm a leader. It's evident by the cultivation of other leaders. You know, if you it, it, it's like if you have to walk around your office suite every day saying, I'm the, I'm the leader, I'm the boss, you have failed already. Mm. Because there's some, there should be something in aiding you that people are able to see and, and have an opportunity to galvanic, gal, uh, gravitate, excuse me, to, you know, and, and cause the people to want to seek you out. And, and when you display that, you know, it, it helps. I remember we had a fire drill at work one day and I wasn't the leader. I was just one of the workers and I was standing outside and the fire marshal came to me and he says, well, sir, we're going to have you back in the building soon. I'm like, oh, okay, no problem. And then 
here comes the dean and the dean is like getting ready to speak to him. And she, he's like, well, I already told the dean here that we'll be back in the building soon. And she's like, I'm the dean. And he just looked at me and he laughs. And so when she walked, he walked off, he said, she may have the title, but you have the presence. And it was funny because at that point, I looking back on that in my in my career, at that point I had no desire <laughs> to do to do any kind of leadership position. I was just happy being a professor, but I had the presence, and the presence caused that man to seek me out in the midst of all the other people standing in front of our building that morning, waiting for it all clear to go in. And all I had on was a sport coat, a shirt, and a pair of pants, and a cup of coffee in my hand. Maybe it was the cup of coffee, I don't know. But I had the presence. And so I would, I would argue that the people who are most effective in, in getting people to follow them and to serve with them are the people who have the presence. Mm. Yeah, presence is an interesting one. I, I know what you mean. I wonder whether other people understand that. Do you, do you feel like the presence is very much like the energy and the way that you, I guess it's your posture, do you feel like it's that? I mean, what would what would you define the presence as so that people can kind of maybe reflect on their own their own expression of, of, of how they come across? I would say it's probably a combination of all of it. Um, your physical presence, maybe the aura that you yield out from from yourself. Um but it also has to do a lot with the way you carry yourself. Mm. It's like that age old adage, you dress for the job you want, not the one you have. Mm. So you, you act in a matter for the position that you desire, not maybe not the one you have right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember, I remember a meme I saw many years ago of a custodial gentleman who had dreams of being the CEO of the company. And he, he, the premise was he worked at night. So when he came in at night to clean the building, he, cleaned, he came in with his shirt and tie. And he cleaned the building in a shirt and tie. And, and, and I think that's what presence is. It's, it's having that belief in yourself and exuding that belief so that others can capture it. Mm. And not only capture it, but foster it in themselves. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Now you're obviously leading. You said you you pastor a church and you work, you know, within within leadership. Who, who's impressing you the most on the planet right now? Is there an individual that's really got your attention? There are many. Um, I can't say that there's one. Um, I read a lot of leaders, uh, leadership. Um, and I would just say that, that there are many. Um, I, it's really, that's really a, a stumping question. I really don't have one in particular I could name. There are many for different reasons. Um, I'll say Martin King was probably one of my favorite because he, he showed the, you know, hit that quote, he said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where they stand in comfort, but where they stand in controversy and challenge. And I've coined that phrase to say, and it used to be my email signature for a little, for a few years, the ultimate measure of a leader 
is where they stand in challenge and controversy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that he, he stood out for me or stands out for me because he was able to lead for people. He advocated and worked on behalf of people who needed his help, but didn't realize they needed it at times. Mm-hmm. And that's the hallmark of leadership. It's easy to work and fight for those and serve those who want you but it's even harder to serve those who don't, but need you. Yeah, very true. Now, as we bring this uh, episode to uh, a conclusion, Santavis, is there anything burning within you that you wanted to share? And please let us know how others can get a hold of you and interact with you. Um, Well, you can search me out on social media. Uh, Santarvis Brown on Facebook, uh, Dr. Santarvis at Instagram. And my email address is uh, Dr. Santarvis Brown, D-R-S-A-N-T-A-R-V-I-S Brown at AOL.com. I know AOL is old and many people still use it, but it works. So Dr. Santarvis Brown, no space for periods at AOL.com. And The last thing I would probably say today is a challenge to all persons who are in the leadership space at whatever level. Lead like everyone's looking and watching, but lead with legacy in mind. For people will never, people may not remember all that your, your accomplishments and all of your, your wins, but they will remember the win that you had with them as an individual. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to be on the heart of the person. So that's what I'll leave you with today. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me, Santavis, and I, I wish you the very best with your future endeavors. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. It was a pleasure. Nice to meet you today. You too. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.